My name is Tim. I get the honor of serving as one of the spiritual leaders here. And, and as you've heard already, we exist as a church to help people find and follow Jesus. And we also want you to know one thing that we, we just say here all the time because it's so true that we are imperfect people in progress. So whether you've been with us for years or maybe just jumping in for the first time, we're, we're honored that you're here. No matter where you are on your spiritual journey, our hope is that this is a safe place for you to get some, some real answers to some real life questions that will propel you on your journey uh, with God. And so we'd like to say just, just welcome home. Hey, we do have a couple things coming up that are, are super exciting. Uh, one, next week is Father's Day weekend. So if you can't get here on campus, we'd love to have you. Uh, we're going to honor all the, the dads and the father figures in our life. Uh, but we're also going to have a, a pretty cool car show uh, taking place after the service uh, and some, some dad's root beer because what, what says Father's Day better than dad's root beer. So hope you can come out and join us for that. Uh, we also have some community engagement opportunities. Uh, we just believe that, man, we are the church and the church is the hope of the world. And we don't want to just, just build attendance or, or gather people. We want to bless, bless our city. And so there's some great serve opportunities to help the hurting right here in our community, uh, to feed the hungry uh, this week. And so you can go to our website, uh, centralsj.org forward slash events, and make sure you register for some of those opportunities. Well, hey, today we are continuing our message series, Jesus, Jesus Is. And here's our theme verse for this entire series. It's found in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, uh, verses 1 through 2. And it says this, it says, so as you'll remember, friends, this is Paul. He's speaking to this church in, in Corinth. And he's just reminding them, when I, when I first came to you, I didn't try to impress you with, with polished speeches or the latest philosophies, but rather I deliberately kept it plain and simple. First Jesus, who he is, then Jesus, what he did, and ultimately Jesus and him crucified. And we're just camping out on this the same reality throughout these summer weeks here at Central, just to recalibrate our hearts and our minds back to Jesus. Because whenever we, we talk about who Jesus is, a lot of things come to our minds that, that maybe are true, some things that maybe aren't true. And so we're just trying to trying to set the record straight. What does the Bible say about who Jesus is? And, and one thing that, that we cannot deny the reality of is that Jesus is, he's coming again. Like he is coming, he's coming again. You can't read the Bible and come to any other conclusion than Jesus is coming again because it talks about it from cover to cover. There's a whole lot of, whole lot of passages about the second coming of Jesus in the Old Testament even. But when we come to the New Testament, there's, there's actually 27 books in the New Testament and 23 of those 27 books talk about the second coming of Jesus, like that he is coming again. There are over 300 verses in your New Testament that, that talk about Jesus coming again. And we're gonna talk about a few of those here today. I also realize there's tension whenever we bring up this topic of Jesus coming again, uh, because for some people, like you, you love this topic. Like you, you love digging into like, what is it? What is 666? What does that even mean? Like the mark of the beast? Like, is it going to be a chip? Is it going to be a barcode? What does that look like? Is this one world order? Like, is that taking place right now? Like you love just leaning into all the end time, uh, second coming topics. I also realize for, for some of you, maybe you're like, I don't even, I don't even know if that's real. I don't know if that's going to happen. And then we have others that grew up in a generation where the second coming of Christ is, 
is terrifying. Like maybe you grew up in a generation where there was movies like about people that were like just vanished and their clothes like fall in perfect shape of a, of a human being. And that's kind of scary. Or you, you watch the movies where the husband's at the sink shaving next to his wife and the husband's like, boom, vanishes. And his razors just like zooms in on this razor, like a horror film taking place or something. And maybe that's, it's kind of a daunting, intimidating reality when we bring up the topic of the second coming of, of Christ. But my hope today is to examine some of the scriptures and, and my hope by the time this service is over and our time is, is wrapped up here that you'll eagerly be looking forward to, the, to Jesus coming again. My hope is to dispel some of the myths about Jesus' return and, and bring some fresh perspective from God's word about what will actually take place in the second coming. So this is a big deal, big topic. Let's pray, as a matter of fact, as we jump in and ask God to help us to open our minds, to receive his word, to understand, and, and to bring some fresh hope, perspective to our lives today as we, we look to the Bible. Well, God, we just love you and thank you for loving us first, God. And we recognize when we talk about your coming again that, that there's tension in the minds of people listening right now. And so Jesus, I just pray that you would open your word and open our minds to receive it, that God, we could have a right perspective of what your second coming looks like, and God, how we can live our lives right now in light of that reality. So Jesus, we just pray you'd overshadow the service and you'd speak to us in Jesus' name, amen. I wanna set the stage for you for this first passage that we're gonna look at. It's found in Acts chapter one, but before we pull it up or, or show you this, this verse, a couple of things I want you to know that, that Jesus really did come to earth and he walked in a physical body just over 2,000 years ago. He walked on this earth for 30 years of his life. Uh, he, was, he was a normal dude, uh, living normal life, being able to re relate to you on a day-to-day -day basis. And in three years of his life, he invested in ministry and invested time uh, developing 12 men who we know as disciples uh, but camping with them and hanging out with them and sharing meals with them, but also doing miracles and healing the sick and raising the dead and driving out demons and multiplying food and like doing some pretty miraculous things. But then we need to know too, at the end of those three years of ministry, he was executed by a Roman government and executed on a Roman cross and brutally beaten, unjustly tried, but then executed on a cross, the most horrific uh, form of execution in human history. And you need to know that he really did go into a tomb and was laid there, his body lifeless. And you need to know too that it didn't end there, but he, did, he rose again, like he came back to life. He appeared not only to his followers and disciples, but at one time over 500 people in one shot, like his resurrected body uh, was visible to people. Like he was able to eat, uh, and drink with, 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 his, with his friends. He, he did crazy things. He had this glorified body, walk through doors and like things that we can't do, appear, disappear. But then in one shot, he, he was gathered at this mountain and, and we read about this in Acts chapter one, beginning in verse nine through 11. And this is right before he ascends into heaven. And it says this, this is after he said this. Now this, what, what, what this word is, this is, the great 
commission. It's, he tells them like, hey, invest your lives to help people find and follow Jesus. Like, like teach them to obey me, help them follow me, uh, help them understand my word and apply it to their lives and be baptized and be followers of me. And after he said this, he was taken up before their very eyes and a cloud hid him from their, their sight. And they were looking intently into the sky as he was going. Now, now like, Imagine this, like, so he's here in front of you, visible before them, and he just starts ascending into, into the clouds. And like this cloud begins to, he hits the cloud layer and he's, he's hidden from their sight. And you can imagine like, what is, like, this is, wow, like another miracle of Jesus. And I don't know if they're waiting for him to come back. If they're like me, they're probably saying like, Jesus, we need a couple more sermons. We need a couple more. Can you write a book for us to know how to execute this mission that you gave us? Like, God, we're not ready for you to go yet. And they're looking intently into these, these clouds when suddenly two men dressed in white stood next to them, these, these angels. And they said this, men of Galilee, they said, why do you stand here looking into the sky? The same Jesus who has been taken from you into heaven, he will come back. You just need to know, he will come back in the same way you have seen him go into heaven. In other words, he left in a physical body. He will be returning in a physical body. He left going up into the clouds. He will return coming down out of the clouds and all that to set the stage and set the table for this message that he, he is coming again. You just need to know that he is coming again. So today I'm going to give you a two-part message uh, and cram it into one. So if you like extra notes, you like a whole lot of scriptures, and we're going to examine a whole lot of them. So, so be ready to write some extra notes. You can get those notes uh, off of our website. Uh, just scroll down from the homepage and click on message notes, and there's some fill in the blanks. You can already have the blanks filled in, but all the scriptures will be there. If you're not taking notes, don't, don't worry, just, just write some of this down and, uh, and we'll, we'll keep moving at a fast clip here. But the first part is gonna focus on this, three realities of Jesus' return. Like what will take place? That's gonna be the first part of today's message. And the second part of today's message, in light of, of those three realities, in light of Jesus' return, how should I live my life today? Like what should be different this week than last week? Uh, what should I do when I go to work on Monday? Why does this even make a difference for our lives today? And so we're going to move, move pretty quickly and, and cover a lot of content. But the first, first reality, what can we anticipate about Jesus' return? What do we need to know about Jesus' return? The first thing is this, that he will come unexpectedly. He, he will come at a time we're not expecting him to come. Uh, Matthew 24, 3, it says this, Jesus was sitting on the Mount of Olives, that's in Israel, this, this geographic location just outside of, of Israel. They're sitting on this Mount of Olives. You can actually see the city of Jerusalem from there. And he's just hanging out with his buddies and having a private conversation. And they say this, tell us, uh, when will this happen? Like, what will be a sign of your coming and the end of the age? Like, help us understand what's going to take place when you come again, when you come to establish your kingdom, when you come to rule over this, this earth. And this, this takes place in Matthew chapter 24. It's a great, great book of the Bible to read to get some perspective and signs of, of the, the, what will take place there. Jesus talks about this. But, but let's jump ahead to Matthew 24, 36, because here's Jesus' part of his response. He says, he says no one knows. Like, like, you don't know. I don't, it's gonna happen unexpectedly. Anyone who says they know, 
They don't know because no one knows about the day or the hour, not even the angels in heaven, nor the son, but only the father. As it was in the days of Noah, so it will be at the coming of the son of man. And he just, he just reinforces this reality that, that no one knows. It's gonna happen unexpectedly. And he draws from this Old Testament analogy or illustration of, of what took place in the days of Noah to, to give us an idea of what will take place when he returns. He says, as it was in the days of Noah, it, that will be the same way when the son of man comes. For in the days before the flood, people were eating, drinking. I mean, they're, they're ordering Uber Eats. Like they're, they're, they're on Grubhub. Like they're sitting at Starbucks. They're, they're drinking delicious coffee, just hanging out, marrying, planning weddings, going about life given in marriage. And, and up to the day Noah entered the ark. I mean, it's just business as usual. And he goes on to say this, and, and they knew nothing about what would happen until, like it, they didn't, it was unexpected until the flood came and took them away. And he says, you just need to know, this is how it will be at the coming of the Son of Man. Very unexpected. Two men will be at the field. One will be taken, the other will be left. Two women grinding at the millstone, just working, doing life, typing code, working together. One will be taken, the other will be left. And I'm gonna come back to that that passage in, in Matthew chapter 24. We're gonna finish reading what Jesus teaches here in just a moment. But, but I say all that to say this, you don't know, I don't know. I, I would say this, my personal belief, and I know other people have, have different beliefs about this, but I believe the table is set for Jesus to return. I, I believe he could come at any moment. And I, I just, just love this message because it's been a reminder to me this week, it's gonna happen unexpectedly. So while I'm going about work, while I'm stressing about things that don't really matter, he could come at any moment. And I just need that reminder. And I thought maybe you need that reminder today too from God's, God's word. He's gonna come and it's gonna be at a moment. We don't expect it. And we need to know that as a reality of his return. He'll come, but it's gonna be unexpected. Second thing, we need to know that he will come to get his church. He's gonna come, but when he comes, he's coming to get, to get you. I don't know about you. For me, as I've prepared this message, just meditated on this truth this week, I've looked at this from a, a different angle than I've ever seen it before. Uh, normally, whenever I think about Jesus coming, I think of this bombastic event, like all these events that will unfold, this, this cataclysmic event. And, and there will be cataclysmic things that happen when Jesus comes because he's a, he's a cataclysmic God. Like he's big, he does things big. But, but what struck me this week is the reality that, that I focus on so much whenever it comes to talking about the return of Jesus is all these, these big cataclysmic things, but I think what Jesus focuses on whenever he returns is you. He's coming for you. He's coming to be with you. He's coming, he's coming, for, his, he's coming for his church. That's the driving motivation behind his return because he longs to be with you longs to see you face to face, longs to physically be present with you, longs for you, it's coming for you. I love these words in John 14, three, it kind of gives a sentiment of, of that. And, and notice as I read this, the, Jesus saying I and you, it's this relational component in one, one sentence, how many times he says this, he says, and if I, if I go, and he did, I prepare, I'm gonna go prepare a place for you. 
and I will come back and take you to be with me so that you may also be where I am. It's this, it's this relational component that says, I long to come back, and here's why, so I can be with you, you can be with me, we can be, we're gonna be together, I'm coming again, because I wanna be with you. And it's an awesome reality, and I've just found so much comfort in that this week, because it could happen at any moment. And, and this God that I, I've tried to serve faith, this God who I'm, I'm, trying to make my, I'm trying to make my best friend that we talked about last week, but, but, but I can't see him yet but then I will. I can't, I can't give him a hug yet. I can't, we can't come up with a, a handshake, but we will. He will be physical, and he longs for it. He longs to be with you, and of all the things about the second coming of Christ that I hope you, I hope you take today is that he, he's coming to be with you. He longs for that, and I don't know if you've ever been separated from family for a long time. I, I love watching those videos on on social media feeds and reels of, of our service men and women who have been a, apart from their family for a long period of time, serving our country overseas, maybe for, for a year or more at a time. And they, they get reunited. And it's like this beautiful moment as they, they sprint as fast as they can. They, they jump into the, each other's arms, just big bear hug, reunited. That's going to take place. I love my family. I love traveling, but I love my family. And I, I don't like being away from them for very long. And FaceTime is great and phone calls are good, but, but there's nothing like being present with them. Tiffany and I, we, we, we love our parents. And one sets on the East Coast, one's in the Midwest. And we, we were separated and it's, we don't get to see each other very often. And again, FaceTime's good and, and phone calls are okay. But I love seeing my kids at the airport whenever grandma and papa are coming in town. Because when they see grandma and grandpa, it's this dead sprint moment. As with full abandon, they, they sprint to see them and they throw themselves into their arms and ah, it's just good, reunited. I think that's what, what Jesus longs for. I will come back. There's gonna be a, a terminal moment, an airport terminal where it's like, yes, we're together. Once again, I'll take you to be with me. You can see from his perspective, you can see what he's, he's seeing right now. It's gonna be an awesome moment. Not only that, check this out in 1 Thessalonians 4. It goes on to say this um, in 1 Thessalonians. It says, for the, the Lord himself will come. Like he's not sending the chauffeur. He's not sending a butler. He's not sending an angel. No, he's gonna come. He's gonna come down from heaven with a loud command, with the voice of the archangel, with the trumpet call of God. And check this out. The dead in Christ will rise first. And this is important for us because if you're like me, you got some investment on the other side here. You got some people that you, you love who you're currently separated from, and they're going to be, they're going to be caught up with the Lord in, in the air first. They're going to go, go first. For me, I think about, I think about my grandpa who taught me so much in life and I, I long to be reunited with him. He's going to be there. He's going to be caught up with the Lord first. My grandma, I can't wait to tell my grandma, hey, our firstborn son, we gave him your maiden name. And she's going to be, I can't wait to see her face in that moment when I get to, I get to tell her that. I, I, I have a sister who I've never met and I can't, I can't wait to see her there in that moment. I, I know some of you too, I, Mary, I mean, Vic, he's going to be there. Richard, your, your grandma, 
She's going to be there. This week, Carl, you lost your mother. She's going to be there. My buddy Rob, I'm doing his funeral next week, trying to tell a 15-year-old kid how this is the hope. You, Rob's going to be there. You're going you're gonna to get to see him again. It's not goodbye. There's going to be this beautiful moment. And I just, as I think about this, my, my best friend, the king of kings, coming in the clouds, but not only that, a welcoming committee of people I love and long to be reunited with. They're going to be there. You're going to see them. They're going to be caught up in the air, caught up with the Lord first. And then it goes on to say this. It says, after that, we who are still alive will be caught up together with them in the clouds. Like, what a moment. Imagine it. Think about it. It's going to happen. We're going to be caught up. Caught up. That's the word rapture. That's where we get our word rapture from. Like, it's going it's to happen. We're going to be caught up in the, the, air, in the clouds with them to meet the Lord in the air. Wow. And so we will be with the Lord. That's the whole thrust here. He wants to be with you. We're going to be with the Lord for forever. What a moment. The Bible goes on to say this in another passage in Revelation uh, chapter 21, because I think a lot of times whenever we, we think about this moment, we think, wow, we're going to be caught up with loved ones. We're going to be caught up with, with Jesus. It's going to be awesome. But then like, we're going to be fat babies, like playing harps on clouds and like, who wants that? Or we're going to get like thrust into this proverbial choir and I don't even like singing. Like, I don't want that. And so we're like, ah, heaven's great, but I don't, I don't think I'm ready to go there yet. And I think that's a major misconception about what heaven will be like. Here's what it says in Revelation 21, verse 1 through 5. He says, then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. Like he's going to make everything He's going to make everything new. For the first heaven, the first earth passed away, and there were no, no longer any sea. And I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming out of heaven from God, prepared like a bride dressed for her husband. Like, what a beautiful picture. What an exciting moment. When you think about the emotion of that, you think about the anticipation of that, that's what it's going to be like. And he's going to, he's going to make a, a new heaven and a new earth it says. And, and so you just need to know, like, not only are our bodies like tainted by sin. And so we, we have things like cancer. We have things like disease. We, we, our bodies do wear out and die. That is an effect of the fall. That's an effect of sin impacting our lives. But not only will that be eradicated, he's going to restore earth back to its original intent, the purpose for which it was originally created prior to the fall. I mean, no more poison ivy, no more mosquitoes, no more earthquakes, no more tornadoes, no more tsunamis. And the Bible actually says that, that the earth longs for this moment. It longs to be liberated from its bondage to, to this sinful fallen nature. And in this moment when Jesus returns, he's going to restore order back to its original creation. Not only are you going to get a new body that won't wear out, that, that is not fallen and tainted by sin, but the earth will be made will be made new. Verse three, it says, and I heard a, a voice from the throne saying, look, God's dwelling place is now among the people. I'm just saying, once again, you can't avoid it. He's longing to be with you. And they will be his people. And God himself, there it is again, God himself will be with them and be there. He'll be their God. 
Like, don't, don't miss this. God himself will sit on the throne as president. He's going to rule over this new creation, this new earth as king. No more elections. No more politics. I, I mean, I appreciate our governing officials, but I'm looking forward to the day when him who is just, him who is trustworthy, him who is true, him who is infinitely wise and full of honor and integrity, like the epitome of all things good, he will sit on the throne and rule. Not only will he rule with justice, he'll rule with compassion. Because as we're going to talk about next week, he is the good shepherd. And here's what it says in verse 4. He will wipe away every tear from their eye. There will be no more death or mourning. Uh, you won't ever have to say goodbye to a loved one again. No, no more crying. There's been a lot of that. No, no more pain. I mean, some of you live in chronic pain. And you think about this reality, there'll be no more pain. Some of you live with physical ailments because of our fallen body. Like, but no more of that. No more hospitals. No more insurance. No more traffic. No more lawyers. No more counselors. No more mediators. We can't fathom relationships that aren't tainted by our fallen sinful nature. But we don't have to worry about that anymore. No more, no more taxes, right? <laughs> Everyone in California said, amen, amen to that. I mean, that's worth price of admission right there. Um, no more taxes. And here's why. For the, the old order has passed away. And he who, who is seated on the throne, here's what you need to know. I am making everything new. He's going to make it all He's going to make it all new. And so not only are we going to get this, when he comes, we're going to get reunited with our loved ones. We're going to get to, to see our best friend face to face. We're going to get to physically be present and give hugs. And like, it's going to be awesome, too great for us to comprehend or to articulate with words. But, but he's going to make the earth new. We're going to have a new creation. All things will be made new. And not only that, as followers of Jesus, he's, he's coming for his church and he says these words in Matthew 25, 34. Then the king will, will say to those on his right, come, you who are blessed by my father, your inheritance. You have an inheritance. The kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. What a moment. But when he comes, we need to know he will come unexpectedly. He, he will come, and he will come to get you, his church. Uh, he will come, and the third thing, I was honestly reluctant to put this one in here because, uh, you know, not a lot of amens on this one. Not a lot of, woo, excitement on this one. But you do need to know, like, he is coming to judge the earth. Like, you know, we live in a culture where people don't like to be judged, Right? You don't, don't judge me. You can't, you can't judge me. My generation, we grew up with Tupac, and Tupac made, put this one on the map. Only God can judge me, right? And if Tupac can rap it, then I can preach it, and I wouldn't be a good, good pastor to you if I didn't just let you know he will come to judge, and God will judge the earth. Revelation 20, verse 11 through 13 says this. says, then I... Then I saw a great white throne. This is known as the great white throne judgment. And honestly, I don't think the church, I don't think followers of Jesus, people who've made Jesus their best friend, I don't think, I don't think they're going to be here. I don't think you're going to be here. There's a great white throne and him who was seated on it. So the earth and the sky fled from his presence and there was no place, there was no place for them. This is the uncreation of, 
of the world before he makes all things new. And I saw the dead and the great, small, like, standing before the throne. I mean, people who, who had houses on MTV cribs and people who lived in a box under a bridge. Didn't matter your position in this life. All were there, great and small, like, before the throne. The books were open. Another book was open, which is the book of life. The dead were judged according to what they had done as recorded in the books. And this is important because when the Bible talks about you as followers of Jesus, when we put our faith and trust in Jesus, it says, it says our, our, our lives, we've been reconciled to God through Christ. And what, what that means is that you had a book, you had a ledger, you had a document that recorded everything that you had ever done Every wrong thought, every wrong word, every wrong action, every wrong motive, all documented in this book. I mean, a document, a book that would miles high, a ledger that would go for, for miles and miles long, wrap around the earth multiple times because of everything, everything I've done. Listen, people who go to hell, they're not any worse than you and me. Like, we've all done stuff that, that has the just requirements to send us to hell. The only difference is, Followers of Jesus have had their, their ledger, their account balanced. The books have been reconciled, account balance brought to zero, not because of anything we've done, but because we put our faith in what Jesus did on the cross, that he paid the penalty for our sin in that moment. And therefore, we align our life with his. We become his. But some people choose to live life on their own terms. And in doing so, they're actually choosing to pay their own bill. And God doesn't want to send anybody to hell. We're going to see that in a moment. He's done everything he can to make a way. But some people just choose to, to pay their own bill and, and they're going to be judged according to what they had done. And it is recorded, it is recorded in, in the books. And then it says this, says then the, the sea gave up the dead that were in it and, and Hades gave up the dead that were in them. And, and each person, here it is, they're judged according to what they had done according to what they've done. And he will judge. And why is that? If you're taking extra notes, write this one down. God is just. He's just. Here's what it says in 2 Thessalonians chapter 1. It says, says God is, he's just. A just judge doesn't turn a blind eye to violations. There has to be payment. God is just. He will pay back trouble for those who trouble you and give relief to you who are troubled as well. This will happen. When will this happen? This will happen when the Lord Jesus is revealed from heaven in blazing fire with his powerful angels. Here's what's going to happen. He will punish those who do not know God. That's why we talk about around here at Central, know God. Our, our first priority is to help you know God. So you don't experience this. He will punish those who do not know God and do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus. They will be punished with everlasting destruction and shut out from the presence of the Lord and from the majesty of his power on the day he, he's coming. He's coming and judgment, fortunately, is a reality of that because God, he's just. He's just, but you need to know God made every provision so that you don't have to experience that. Your, your love, people you care about, they don't have to experience it. People you work with, that's why you're in their life. So you can tell them, you can be a witness, you can share hope, you can share, share life. You, you can share, they don't have to experience that. He's made every, every provision 
You just need to know that hell is the absence of everything good. Hell is a literal, constant, tormenting place. And I desperately don't, don't want you or anybody you care about. Matter of fact, anybody you don't care about, I don't want anybody to go, go there. So here's, here's my plea. Isaiah 55, 6 through 7, seek the Lord. Seek, seek the Lord. Let's, Central, let's just seek him. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call on him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way, the evil man his thoughts. Let him turn to the Lord and he will have mercy on him and our God, for he will he'll freely pardon. He's made every provision, but once he comes, it's too late. He's going to come unexpectedly. He's going to come for his church, and that's going to be a beautiful thing, but, but he's also coming to judge, and that will be a horrific reality, but he is coming. And since he is coming, this is where we move to the second part, and I'm going to move quick here. Since he is coming, what should we do? Well, how should we live? Second Timothy 1.4, he says this, and this is Paul's words to this guy named Timothy, and I'm just, I'm piggybacking off of it, and he says this, in the presence of God and of Jesus Christ, who will judge the living and the dead? Like, this is a part of the gospel. In view of his appearing, so in light of what we just talked about, in his kingdom, I give you this charge. And, I, I, and now Paul gave Timothy a charge following this. And I, as, as pastor of Central Christian Church, I'm just giving you as the church, I'm giving you a charge. In light of all these things, here's what I'm asking us to do. Number one, let's reach people. Let's, let's help people find and follow Jesus. Let's live life on mission. There's so many distractions today. There's so many things that can take us sideways, get our eyes focused right here, right now. But we exist as a church to help people find and follow Jesus. Let's, let's do everything we can while we can to reach people. Jude chapter 1, verse 22 through 23 says this, Be merciful to those who doubt. Snatch others from the flames and save them. And let me just... Just pause for a moment here. Just say, how you doing in this area? Who, who have you been praying for this week to help them find and follow Jesus? And I ask that question not, not to make anyone feel bad. I mean, yesterday really did end last night. Today, mercy is fresh and new with the morning. So my, my question is, what might you be able to do next week that's different from this week in light of this reality? We got an opportunity, a limited window to reach some people, to help people find and follow Jesus. We'll never have the opportunity again. After he returns, after, after our bodies wear out, this is our one shot at this. Second Peter 3.9 says this, the Lord isn't being slow about his promise. Like he, he promised he'll return. You just need to know he's not being slow about his promise as some people think. He is being patient for your sake to give us another opportunity, to give us another week, to give us another day, to help our parents, to help our kids, to help our neighbors, to help our, our buddies on the sports team, to help our, our, our fellow students, to help people in our circle of influence know God. He's being patient for your sake. Because here's the deal. He does not want anyone to be destroyed, but he wants everyone to, to turn, turn back to God, turn away from their own, own sinful ways and turn to God, repent and turn to, to him. He's graciously given us a window to help people find and follow Jesus. And, and I hope there's some urgency in our hearts in light of this. Second thing, uh, in light of his return, stay focused on eternity. Stay focused on eternity. And, and honestly, like, sometimes I can go south. 
Sometimes my, I, I know I'm a pastor, but I'm, I'm just like, I got good days and ba- I got bad days. And I know, I know we live in like the most beautiful part of the world. Like we live in California. Many of you watching this, like you're living in triple digits right now. We're living in 70 degrees and sunny right now. Sorry to rub it in. It's beautiful. But in light of how awesome it is, I still go sideways sometimes. And I was, we were sitting down for dinner uh, last week and my seven-year-old son, he says this, he says, dad, you know we're rich, right? <laughs> I'm like, okay. Uh, like I'm looking at the table, like we got frozen pizza for dinner. You know what I mean? Like, I'm, what about frozen pizza sparks a prosperity conversation in the mind of a seven-year-old? Especially my seven, like he's kind of a meathead. He's not real, not real philosophical, but he's like, no, dad, we're, we're rich. I was like, tell me about that. He's like, you know, a lot of people today, dad, they don't, they don't have any food. Dad, right now we, we got, we got multiple drinks on the t- Dad, a lot of people don't have clean drinking water. He's like a large percentage. Like one of his friends' dads was talking to him about how, how rich, and he's just regurgitating information. But I was like, it struck me coming from my son. I was like, you know what? You're right, buddy. Like we are. We, we got it good. But sometimes in life, we get, we get focused on all that's wrong rather than all that's right. And, and then what I love about the old timers, you listen, you, you, if you find a hymnal, Open up the hymnal. I guarantee almost every single song that you read will be about this. Let's focus on eternity. They, those old timers, they'd sing songs like, one glad morning when this life is over. I'm, I'm about to fly away, you know? They, they would sing songs like, old Beulah Land. Like, I don't even know what that means, but I know it's focused on eternity. Like, it's awesome. I don't understand some of the words, but, but they anchored themselves here. And sometimes in our culture, we focus on right here, right now. God, would you do it now? God, let the walls fall down. God, God, we're, we're, we're praying. Where are you? But our hope is not here. Our hope is to come. It is the, called the blessed hope for a reason. Focus on eternity. Throughout scriptures, you see, see people, the, the, the leaders of the early church, like the disciples, the apostles, like they, were, they, were, they had their skin ripped off for being followers. Of, they were burned at the stake for the sake of Jesus. And in the midst of it all, they held on to hope. In the midst of it all, they, they maintained joy. In the midst of it all, they kept marching fearlessly. They stepped into courageous faith. And why? Because they anchored here. Here's what Paul says in 2 Corinthians 4, 14 through 18. It says, we know that our God who raised the dead will also raise us up with Jesus and present us to himself together with you. Like this will happen at the second coming. And all this is for your benefit. And as God's grace reaches more and more people, there will be great thanksgiving and God will receive more and more glory. Verse 16, that's why we never give up because we got a mission, because we know, we know what's to come. We, know, we have eternity in our scope. That's why we never give up, though our bodies are hurting. <laughs> though our bodies are in prison, though our bodies are dying, our spirits are being renewed every day. For our present troubles are small, and they're not going to last very long. Now, how could he say that? This guy was beaten, shipwrecked, ultimately executed for his faith. He knew his, our trouble, our life. Remember the, the James, or our series in James. James talked about how our life is a, a vapor. Our life is like a wisp of smoke. And if your life is a vapor, then your troubles have to be less than that. He says his, they're, they're, they're Present troubles are small. They're not going to last very long. Yet they produce for us a glory that vastly outweighs them all and will last forever. 
One thing we didn't talk about, when Jesus returns, he's coming to judge people who, who don't know God, and that's gonna be a horrific thing because they're gonna have to give an account for everything that they did. But, but you need to know that he's coming to have a different judgment for you as followers of Jesus. The, the Corinthians talks about this. Paul writes about this. It's, it's not a judgment of sin. Remember, our sin has been removed as far as the east is from the west. So far as our, our sin, our transgression has been removed from us. But it talks about a judgment of of, of, for rewards, like a stewardship judgment. How'd you use your time, your talent, your resources to help people find and follow Jesus? And you'll be rewarded according to what you, what you do. There's a judgment that leads to punishment, but there's a judgment for believers that leads to rewards. And, and Paul's just alluding to that again, right, right here. Because they produce a, a glory for us that, that vastly outweighs them. It's going to last. Those rewards will last forever. Then verse 18, so we do not look at the temporary problems we now see. Rather, we fix our gaze on what we cannot see. For the things we see now will soon be gone. But the things we cannot see will last forever. And, and my invitation or my question is to say, are you focused on things right here, right now? As you reflect on on where your mind's been this week. Is it focused on right here, right now? Are things that will matter a thousand years from now? And if you could, you could anchor into what matters a thousand years from now, what might this next week look like for you? Let's keep our eyes fixed on eternity. Then lastly, third, in light of his return, let's be ready. Let's just be ready. We read Mark 24, 37 through 41 earlier. It's where Jesus taught about how, how we don't know the day or the hour that he'll come, and really, I don't think anything's holding him back. And so in light of that reality, here's what he says in, in Matthew 24, verses 42 through 44. He says, therefore, in light of his return, let's, let's keep watch, because you don't know the day the Lord will come. But understand this, if the owner of the house knew what time of the night the thief was coming, he would have, had, he would have kept watch and would not have let his house been broken into. Uh, verse 44, so you also must, and here it is, be ready. Just be ready because the Son of Man will come in an hour. You don't expect him. Jesus is coming. Let's be ready. And as we close, I just want to ask, how are you doing in those areas? How, how are you doing? Again, not to, not, not to make anyone feel, feel bad, but just say, let's recalibrate our life back to the reality that Jesus is coming again. And so this next week, how might your life look different? And so in light of his return, let's reach people. So a question for you to, to reflect on, not, not for your spouse, not for your kids, not for your coworkers, not for the, the person you may be sitting next to in the room right now, but for you, just hold up a mirror. How are you doing at living on mission? Are you, you living life right now to help people find and follow Jesus? Who are you praying for? Who are you looking for opportunities to just share with people how, how good Jesus has been to you? Let's, we've got a limited window in light of his return. Let's, let's reach people. The second thing, in light of Jesus' return, let's stay focused on eternity. Again, hold up the mirror. How are you doing in that? Is your mind fixed on temporary problems right here, right now? Are you saying, no, 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 my hope is anchored in something greater than this life and nothing can take that joy away from me. Let's stay focused on eternity. And then, then third, in light of Jesus' return, Jesus said it, be ready. It's unexpected. We don't know. 
And my question is, are you, are you ready? Uh, how's your character? Uh, how, how's your integrity? Are you conducting yourself in such a way that you'd say, I'm excited, I'm ready for just return at any moment. And if you're not, this is an opportunity just to recalibrate your heart before God to say, God, I'm ready. I can't wait. As a matter of fact, I'm eagerly looking forward to your return. Second Peter 3, 10 through 12, last verse, then we're gonna pray. And Peter asks this question, it actually gives us a response. It says, but the day of the Lord will come like a thief. Again, reaffirming it's unexpected. The heavens will disappear with a roar and the elements will be destroyed with fire and the earth and everything in it will be laid bare. Like what we talked about, like it's gonna be, there's gonna be a de deconstruction of the earth. There's gonna be a, a re he's gonna make all things, all things new. Since everything will be destroyed in this way, here's the question, what kind of people ought you to be? What kind, how should we live? In light of this reality of his return, what should we do? You ought to live holy lives godly lives. Life, holy life is a life that's set apart for God's purposes. All of my hopes, all my dreams, all my finances, all my, all my affluence, all my influence, all that I am, my, my, my heart, my mind, my soul, my strength, God, all of it is set apart for you and for your purposes. And godly life, God, I'm, I'm trying to align my life in such a way that where I think, what would Jesus do in this moment? If Jesus were in this situation, how would he respond? I'm trying to align my life to the way, way God would want me to live. As you look forward to the day of God and speed is coming, you ought to live holy and godly lives. And my question is, how are you doing in that? Are you ready? Are you ready for that? And if you've not yet made Jesus the leader, forgive of your life, you just need to know he's done everything he can to engage in that relationship with you. He wants you to be his best friend. He longs to be with you and you can know God. If you have questions about how you can know God, we would love to connect with you. Uh, you can always email us at info at centralsj.org, or you can text us at 408-944-5402. This is typically the point in the service where I say, hey, let's, I'm gonna tell you how you can find a follow Jesus. But we just, we'd love to connect with you because a big part of following Jesus is connecting with God's people. And so if, you, if you're interested in that, you got questions about that, let us know. We'd love to hear from you, but let me pray. Because my hope for all of us is that, that we would know that, that we're going to reach some people, we're going to live life on purpose, that we're going to fix our eyes on eternity. And for everyone in the sound of my voice, you'd be ready. You'd be ready. We'd live out those, those three things. Let's pray. Well, God, we thank you for loving us. We thank you for your faithfulness to us. We thank you, Jesus, for the hope that we have that you, you are coming again. You're coming for your church so that we can be with you. God, we can't wait to be reunited with loved ones and family members. But God, our minds can't even grasp the reality of being physically united with you and seeing you face to face for who you are, not, not hindered by our, our minds and our, our spirits and our, our attitudes tainted by sin. God, we, we long for that day to be liberated and just to know you and see you for who you are. So God, would you help me? Would you help my friends watching this today? God, to be ready. Would you help us, God, to live life focused on eternity? Would you help us, God, in this short window of time that we have to help people find you and follow you and reach people? In Jesus' name, amen.